Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Junior Choir. Amen, Junior Youth Choir. Praise the Lord. We want to read the scriptures tonight uh, from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, and um, from verse 7 to make it shorter, to 11. May we stand as we read together. The King James. Let's read it together. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Let's read the verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Amen. Let's remain standing as we pray. O Lord, we thank you for tonight and for your mercies and for your grace given to us. That we find ourselves privileged. We couldn't even count your love that you have for us. And for your mercies that allowed us, in spite of how we are, to accept us in your presence. We pray that whilst we are gathered in your presence, your word will be revealed to us. To strengthen us. To pull down strongholds. And to establish your purpose in our lives. Lord, reveal yourself to us as we gather in your presence. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. We are speaking on the subject, they loved not their lives. They loved not their lives. I think the complete statement, they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their lives unto death. The passage we read from Revelation chapter 12 is an idea of how Satan came to the earth and his main assignment on earth. Since there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, Satan, and they prevailed not. And it goes on and on. But of interest to us is a verse 10 where it says that I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation strength and the kingdom of our God and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Hallelujah. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You know, this scripture, particularly the 10, brings out the fact that the main weapon of Satan is accusation. In other words, satanic manifestation in the main it's not even destruction, physical destruction. In from verse 9, you see that the use of him being um, an accuser, which accusation comes from the tongue or from the mouth. Hallelujah. And the main thing that he, his assignment on earth, as we see, is manifest through the tongue or through the mouth. That's a very important lesson when you're doing spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say that 
in order to combat the accuser of the brethren, in verse 11, a number of weapons are mentioned. Since they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, number one, which we all know about. The word of their testimony, number two. And, it says, and they love not their lives unto death. That's the spirit of sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now, the first two that are mentioned of these weapons, you can see, they don't have much to do with us. You and I did not die for humankind. Hallelujah. The testimonies that we experience in the Lord, they are testimonies, even though it says, and, they, and by the word, the word of their testimony, is the experience we have had with the Lord. So again, it is something that the Lord has done. The only clear weapon that we have, that can really control, it says, not loving our lives unto death. Hallelujah. So, and the three go together. Which means that you cannot say that, oh, once I use the blood, once I quote that I, I, I speak the blood against the enemy, which we do and we know it works. But there are battles of this life that Yesumojan Kawanim, as we say in Ghana, you need to go beyond that. Hallelujah. And tonight, our engagement is to see going beyond, not as though the blood is not effective, but the blood requires that for you to use the blood effectively, you have to also understand what it means not to love your life unto death. Hallelujah. In the book of Isaiah, when he prophesied, he said that, the battle of the warrior is with confused noise and in garments ruled in blood. Hallelujah. Which means that the blood is there, but the, for the blood to be active, there, there has, who is making the noise? The warrior makes the noise. Hallelujah. The believer makes the noise. Your sacrifice is a noise. It's a voice. What you offer to God from your money, your time, your energy, anything we put at the altar of the Lord, is a voice. When you read the Old Testament and then you look into Hebrews, we are told that the blood of Abel makes noise, calling for revenge. Hallelujah. So, our sacrifice speaks to God. It tells the spiritual realm how much committed you are to the battle of global control. Hallelujah. There is a war, the scripture says that war started in heaven. But today, that war is not in heaven. Hallelujah. There is no war in heaven now. In Corinthians, we are told the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds. Casting that imagination. So, the war is here. The battle of the mind is here. The battle of the atmosphere. In Ephesians, we are told that principalities, powers, rulers, ancestral powers, family lines that try to trace us and follow us and try to interfere with our spiritual progress. It's here. It's not in heaven. Hallelujah. All those things happen here now. The battle has come here. But the weapons have not changed. 
the medium of fighting or the warfare has not changed. The blood is still speaking. The testimony of the Lord is still speaking. But tonight we are dealing with the spirit of sacrifice. Everyone says sacrifice. One of the weapons that today's believers, many people don't like to hear about, is the spirit of sacrifice. Because we, our, our, this generation or this, this movement, we entered into this movement with the name it, claim it, take it mindset. We all grew up in the faith in the 70s and the 80s and the teachers and the pastors and the prophets and all of us that were nurtured. We were made to understand that anything you want, if you name it by faith, and you just go for it. You get it. Hallelujah. So we grew up with the churches and groups that people don't understand what it means to sacrifice. Even though we ourselves grew up having to sacrifice. Amen. Sacrificing in different forms. I can cite my own many, many areas of life. And uh, the easiest one, the, the commonest one I remember was sacrificing to preach the gospel. Growing up in the early 80s and having to preach the gospel in the different regions of Ghana, many times they had to be sacrificed. Not just in terms of time, even the comfort. Those days, it's not like now that you go to all the stations and cars are ready to be loaded. You have to stand sometimes in trucks, articulated trucks, these long trailers, travel from Accra to some Cape Coast or somewhere like that. Or you go to a place, there's no booking of any hotel. We didn't have hotel business in preaching. I remember the first day we, uh, when we were in secondary school and we invited Archbishop Duncan's brother, we used to call him Brother Nick, to our school. There Methodist Reverend Minister's boys quarter somewhere was where he slept. There was no the idea of, of hotel was not in the discussion. <laughs> Just come to Cape Coast, you find somewhere to sleep. When we go, when, anytime we went to preach in the schools, the dormitory, the boys' dormitory, anywhere. Sometimes on the bus. When we close a program at the art center at 10 p.m. and we have gone to rent all those equipment from different places, the late Kim Bruce, who was the owner of BB groups, Black Beat, Black Bear, Black Dibla, you would go to his house at um, Timber Market, go and rent one combo. The, those things there by the guitar, that small speaker by the guitar there. That you just rent just one and one rhythm guitar or one bass guitar. Then you go to somebody at Usu, you go to uh, Napoleon Club where uh, Swaisa Hawani used to have organs, Fafisa. And you will be happy to get one Fafisa machine and then take it to the Arsenal. Then you just, just, then drums, maybe you'll be fortunate, you come to Reverend Macaulay and out of generosity, you just give us some fine. PA system or something, we take it. When you finish, you have to deliver everybody's thing to you. Because the next day, they are using it for their own programs. And it means in the night, from 10 to midnight, you are going around from place to place. Then when you have done all, in those days, you have to hire benches, chairs, to fill the art center. Then you walk from art center to Osu, to Labon, anywhere. And you just do it happily. Not in this type of auditorium. Our center was not like this. Right by the sea there. So, we experienced that, but as God prospered us, we didn't teach the people the spirit of sacrifice. So, people came into the church believing that the, the church owed them something. <laughs> the pastors owed them something. 
Because they started from, well, when the, most churches, when they were being built, people, members who are there today were not around. When they were in classrooms, when they were in ICGC, when they were at Game Memorial, no, most of the members today, they, were, they didn't know anything. When they were meeting at Akar High School, nobody knew. When Lighthouse was meeting in uh, 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 School of Hygiene, nobody, people didn't know them. But people come in and they look at all the ambience. When we first came here and the rain beat us to welcome us, Uncle Fred, remember, the first Sunday, it was a very rainy day around June, July, July, June 19th, or the, the Sunday, the 22nd or something. It was a very merciless rainfall. As we were having the service, we were preaching, the rain was just coming whoa, like that. So many people who have come in, if it's raining today and even the wind is coming, if it's cold in, in July, they don't come to church. Because it's cool. The weather is too cool. They need to chill by their TV or radio sets. They have to be in the couch. It's nice and cool. The scripture says that if we have to win this war, we need to understand that sacrifice or not loving one's life is part of the weapons that we need. Say amen. And they love not their lives unto death. See, what we are teaching, what I'm teaching, is very difficult to, combat, to understand it. When you look at the fact that the believer is entitled, according to 3 John verse 2, to a blessing. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. It doesn't sound consistent with the not loving your lives unto death. Hallelujah. And this Christian experience, there are many paradoxes that we all have to engage. If you look at it purely from one side of the paradox, you may not be able to make it fully to the end of the journey. Hallelujah. Let's look at Jesus. The scripture says that the whole earth, he's God. All authority on earth, in heaven and on earth is given to him. Now, here is God standing before Pilate, standing before Herod, standing before the Caiaphas, the high priest. Here is God being humiliated, being spat upon. It's a paradox. We, know, we, can't, we, can't, we can't put it together. Hallelujah. It's a high level paradox. That if he has all the authority, when he was even being arrested, the Bible said, that when the people came to him and they said, who are, who, are you the Christ? And he says, yes, I am. According to the Gospel of John in chapter 18. When he said, I am, the man fell down. They all fell. They were slain by the Spirit. Just his answer. And when Peter took the, the sword and cut the, 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 the ear of the man, the Malchus, he put it back. So you ask yourself, a powerful person like Jesus... He could have just spoken and said, all the people who are judging will be blind. And they will all have been blind. Then they will see the power. But in that period, because God had designed it to be so, he didn't use that. It's a paradox. Hallelujah. It's something that we may not fully comprehend. In the same way, there is a paradox here. These are people who are entitled to all the blessings of heaven. Paul says to the Romans, when I come to you the next time, I will come with the fullness of the blessing. He writes to the Philippians and tells them that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So you are sitting in the church and you are reading your Bible and you are seeing that God should supply all my needs. He must give me a husband, he must give me a wife, he must give me a house. When I'm of age, I must build my own house. And all of these things are dreams and expectations which are realistic within the context of the New Testament promises. Hallelujah. When you read, even from the Old Testament, it's the Lord that maketh rich and asks no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord. 
It's a paradox. So if I have all these promises, I am the Lord that healed thee. And all the nice promises, he lifts up a, a standard against your enemy. When the enemy comes like a flood, he lifts up a standard against him. They will come one way, they will flee seven ways. When you put all this together, and then God says that they love not their lives unto death as a way of conquering the dragon. It sometimes can be very difficult to understand. If God has empowered me so much, if God loves me so much, when you read Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I have plans for you of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So you look at that and you say, ah, I'm entitled to so much. I enjoy so much. God loves me. How does God manifest his love if he now wants me to sacrifice, not to love? The life that I'm, he has given me, he wants to take it the other way. So it may seem to the simple mind. Hallelujah. The scripture says, and they love not their lives unto the death. So we want to engage two things. What is this life that, that they did not love? When God demands of you and I that don't love your life, like Jesus says, if anybody loves himself so much, you lose it. John twelve twenty five. Jesus said it. What life is Jesus talking about? There are I'll give you five or maybe six, depending on time. Lives that we are telling, talking about. Number one life is this physical present, the pleasure and the comfort of this present life. When the scripture says they did not love themselves unto death, he's saying that they did not love the present the, 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 the pleasure and comfort of this present life. Hebrews says that there were people who all their lives lived for fear of death. There is a video that used to go circulate. I don't know if some of, most of us have seen it. A pastor in one of the redeemed churches before he started, while he started preaching, as he started repeating the scriptures, then he started running away. And all the congregation started running away also. I don't know how many of you have seen that. There's a redeemed church. It was, he was using it as a demonstration. He just, just as I was reading, you know, he, he read one or two lines, and he, just when he was about to split, he saw something at the back of the church. Then he started running. Then all the church, then he said, oh, this is just, a prank. Then they stopped and then he explained. Hallelujah. He was trying to demonstrate, and I almost did it here, but I don't want to scare people. Because there's glass here. People may run into the glass. <laughs> and there are children here also, so we don't want any stampede. But it is possible somebody said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Many of us because of the pleasure of living. We, that's why some churches, even in charismatic churches, they say, if you, are, if you die and you are not more than 70 years, they don't, they don't even, the pastors will not even bury you. Don't touch your body at all. Nobody, no pastor will come to your burial. I hope you know that there are churches like that. All the Nigerian, big Nigerian churches. The mega, big, big, big churches. They are here. One of our sister's mother died. Pastor Hilda's mom. The late lady, and I went to the funeral. We had to bury her because the past church will not come and touch. She died at 67 or 68. She missed it by two or three years. They didn't come. Because men love no more. They want to live. That if you, they fear the pleasure, to lose the pleasure of this world system. Even though we say life is hard, things are not well, and the economy is this, and all this inflation, still, when we say, okay, 
we want to die. Who will die first? You see, everybody will say, oh, husband and wife will be arguing. Go and see how death is and come and tell me. Hallelujah. Nobody wants to die. And if I went, we hear that people are dead, the first thing we ask, what causes death? Many times, we don't even ask, where, where, how, what will happen to them? Was he born again? No, many times, then they hear, no. So that whatever was causes that if it's a careless one, then we too we can avoid it. Then we don't go that way. Many of us, that's what even if after asking about whether they were born again, that thing is very important to and the reason why many people ask that is because they want to know. <laughs> so that they too they don't go that path. If he ate tomatoes and he he died, if he ate so much apple and he died, then me from now I'll eat apple again. If he ate a lot of incatia and he died, let me try not eat granuts. That's how we have been programmed. Because we love many things of this present life. And that is why many people are not able to suffer for Christ or endure anything for Christ. The pleasure of living and seeing. Because even though we talk about eternal life and eternity, deep inside our DNA is a certain desire for self-preservation. Self-preservation. Even to decide to go to church or to travel to support a brother who is bereaved or a sister who is suffering or visit someone, a lot of us is because of self-preservation. I don't want to wear myself out too much. I want to just be cool. I want anything which will be an inconvenience is not part of the game. We forget that it is actually that it's actually a weapon in the hands of the Lord. Because when you appear, when you, you defy the physical pain and the agonies and the discomfort, and then do what you have to do in the name of the Lord, God will use you as a hammer. He will use you as a fire. Hallelujah. As Jeremiah says. Say amen. So number one, when we say life, that we are talking about life that we have to, uh, not to love, we are talking about the pleasure and comfort of this present life. Jesus died at 33. He could have said, Father, I want to stay to Methuselah. So I will see more generation. I will do more work. Hallelujah. It was not easy for him to agree to go at that time. 33 is prime time. Amen. Privileges. Every one of these words starts with P. Privileges and opportunities. When God says that they love not their lives unto death, it means they love not their privileges. In an era where rights and benefits and privileges, people giving us things because of who we are, what connections we have and the privileges we should be enjoying and so-called opportunities, we find it difficult to make decisions on behalf of the Lord. Most of us, when we are left to choices to make for the Lord or against the Lord, we look more at the privileges. And we use the privileges to say, oh, it's the Lord who blessed me. I have news for you. It's not every privilege that is of the Lord. You know, Daniel and his friends, it was a privilege to dine with the king. But the scripture says, but Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. So it may seem like a privilege. But not all that is good is right before God. Say amen. In a world system today where privileges are confused with blessings. When it's blessing... It is divinely commanded. 
There is a divine underpinning. Hallelujah. But when in a privilege you can use you can use schemes, this political privilege. People like even when we are driving and you know people come in and with their siren, they can pass all of us and guide pass us and get to where they want to go. It's a privilege. And it's easy to look at that and make a choice that if this offer comes, I can't refuse this offer. Though it's a privilege. Hallelujah. It's difficult to refuse privileges. But when the Lord says that they love not their lives, it, it means they love, they did not prefer their privileges. The privileges of life, they come in different forms. So called. It may sound like something even like a promotion. It may sound like a good offer. It may come out as something that makes life better and enhances us. Hallelujah. Jesus himself, the scripture says, says that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Hallelujah. The third P is place in society. Or status. One of the things that many of us worry about most. In fact, there are, may, there are may, many people don't. I have friends who tell me that me, I don't go to churches that I'm older than. Some of my mates, schoolmates. So I don't go to churches because, so far as they are concerned, it's a status symbol to belong to a particular type of denomination. As for us, we were born into this denomination. You know, all our royal family members, we belong here. So, shifting, going to this, visiting these kinds of churches, it's a status, it is demeaning in their mind. Hallelujah. They love not their lives unto them. Their li- their, what, what, they, what they see as life is status. They are placed in society. It's very important to them. There are many people who probably would not have come to a church like this if it wasn't based in cantonments. <laughs> there are many people who would never have come to a church like this. If this church was based in Choco, I'm very sure that we would have different type of members. Even with the same structure and messages and all the opportunities, some people would not come because how can I go to a church which is not based the location has created status. To say that, oh, I'm, in the, I'm a member of the church which is in Burma Camp area, is cantonment. It, for some people, is the assign of symbol of status symbol. Hallelujah. So, when that state, if they ask you, brother, we need help in a place. Where you won't come to act them, oh, suffer this one, please, please. You know, that's why many people are very uncomfortable if they have to do anything elsewhere. Amen. Because for a lot of people, the building and the location represents status. And you are taking away their lives. But we can't, like the, the things that Bishop was talking about. You know, he talked about so many things in Edo State and all of Today I was listening to Archbishop Idahosa, some of his messages about having favor with God and all. And I realized that if people did not dare to go into some of the places that they went into, they would not have encountered the victories that they had. Say amen. So for as long as you, we preserve our status by location, we are actually denying ourselves of a victory over the enemy. There are such, you may chalk some victories, but there is a level of, you chalk the victory of the blood. You have the testimony, but they love not their lives unto death. That part, which comes by sacrifice, you may not experience it. I pray that God will help you to see beyond to this location. Amen. How somebody is getting the understanding there. So place in society is part of 
Why, why do you want God to place you in society? All that job. Some people have they finish school, they want a job. You ask them, what the Lord is asking you to work in this place or even in the ministry or in the church. So no, no. I've written, where have you written application? I've written some banks. I'm waiting. My auntie or somebody at the do you know somebody at Bank of Ghana? SNIT. Everybody wants SNIT. Bank of Ghana. Why? Status. Because status comes with money. Comes with respect. Pusset. They salute you every day. So this one, this this one, she just started with two years. She's bought a nice car. She's bought land. She's building. He's building. So everybody wants anything that will. So when they ask you to tell where you work, you it will be a struggle. Like in those days when you work in Ghana, it was you used to work in Ghana. So it's, the color, even the uniform you are wearing, is a status symbol. Hallelujah. So if somebody came and offered you, oh, the Lord is using somebody to speak to you about an offer which will start from somebody. No, no, no. You are not interested. Because status is the way you see life. They love not their lives. It's not necessarily their lives that they will cut them to death. But their life standard. And if we, our hearts are charged with that status, that I want this status by all means. You will be willing to sacrifice the things of Christ to come by that status. Hallelujah. The place in society. Number four P is prosperity. When he says life, life, we sing that Pat Thomas made a song, Sika Yemuja. In other words, money is a lifeline. Hallelujah. It's blood. Money has power. Hallelujah. We all need money to do different things. And usually when we are determining whether we'll do something for God or not, the, one of the things that matter to many people is what will it cost me? Anything that will cost too, too much, I'm not interested. Who is paying my, who is, how am I going to be transported? How am I, even sometimes when it comes to things like supporting brethren in funerals, naming, all those things. I don't want to go and I don't have too much money to give. Because that will go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because, because, and this, this week my pocket is dry. So I'm just going to sit there in the, the bus. No, I don't want that. I want to have, it's when I'm okay, then I can help. So we, deny, we are denying the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. They love not their lives. Their life is tied to well-being, to prosperity, physical, money, goodie. And so many people, anything, even though they are born again, anything that doesn't bring money, is, is not, is not, is not, is not of value. Their heart is not strong in it. Anything, any relationship, if, they, if he or she is a brother or sister in the church or doing anything, anything, money is the determinant of their direction where they think God is. If they, are, they want to change jobs, somebody can just add 1,000 Ghana or 500 Ghana and they will quickly, they, they will not be loyal to a company or to somebody who saved them out of their, their calamity. No. You stayed on for five years after university. You don't have a job. Somebody offered you and said, let me train you. Let me give you NACOP type of, NAPCO type of training. Just be there. Somehow after six months or a month, a year, another neighbor who was sitting there, who didn't help you when you were in trouble, they just come and say, sister, do you know how much is she paying you? Oh, they might for 200 being count. You throw away the conscience of the, 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 the what do you call it? <laughs> the, the, the years, five years. That you are at home, you forgotten. That you are at home, and this madam or this master helped you, taught you the rudiments of the profession, exposed you, added something to your CV, just to build the reputation of Christ. You can't two hundred CDs. You and even for some people, because of overtime, two hundred CDs or five hundred, they will not go to church again. They will, when there's over time slot on a Sunday, the God who helped them to get a job, they will forget that God. 
because of extra 200 Ghana. Extra 500 Ghana. Because of extra 50 Ghana. They will drop anything for that. Their lives hinge only on prosperity. In 1 Timothy 6, from verse 6 to 10, Paul talks a lot about money. And he says in verse 8 that, For we brought nothing... Yeah, go to verse 8. Uh, yeah, he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. When a person doesn't have this kind of mindset, and doesn't understand it, he puts all his life and value on money. Money becomes his determining factor. Hallelujah. They love not their lives unto death. I'm not, it's not physical death. I'm seeing that it's not just die, dying physically that people worry about. Because people's lives and hearts are tied to different things. Power. Power. One of the things that people's hearts and lives are tied to is power. Control, influence. And that's what this is rights issues. I don't want anybody to, to I'm not I'm not a child. We are not ignorant. I know I know what I, I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. You sir, we know the world. Yet the system, nothing. I'll not let anybody... T- don't, don't treat me like a child. Power. Because we, everybody wants to assert themselves. The desire to be assertive, to be in control of your destiny. The desire to show that I have it all. And people jealously guard anybody who interferes. You can take away my physical life. You can take away my money. You can take away anything. But don't dare touch my rights. I would, I would rather defend my rights than to die for Christ. They defend their rights more than they defend the things in Christ. You, so you see a believer who is committed when they are defending in the public domain things that are secular, some of the, val- the, the negative societal values. So, oh, by is your viewpoint and then my viewpoint and depend on your viewpoint and is their right and all of that. You see. Especially when it comes to these things about morality, about uh, 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 abortion, gay, lesbian, all of this, all this, all this is happening. You see prominent clergy, prominent so-called Christian leaders defending. Why? Because they believe that people's rights should be preserved, and therefore they must preserve their rights. That no, we must establish that the law says this and that and that and that, and then you do that, you are, you are encroaching on their rights. But Jesus. Through Paul taught us that let not us seek that which is ours alone in Romans 12.10, but that which is another's. So if you're, you are dead, when you, you don't have the life that you, you, you give away, you are willing to die small, according to uh, uh, Revelations, it means you are willing to cede your power, your authority, your rights. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 7, one of my favorites, as you know. He says that, why don't you allow yourself to be defrauded? All the fighting we are having, quarrels we are having in many places, in many homes, in many environments, in many families, is a result of the fact that nobody wants to be defrauded. Everybody wants to have his own way. Power, rights. But Jesus, the scripture says, I, have the, I lay down my lives. Hallelujah. The last P is purpose and plans. One of the things that people are unwilling, they put their lives and their spirit and their soul in, is their purposes. And they are not willing to lay down that. They want to laugh. They have, I, I, I have dreamed that I want to be a, 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 a spacecraft engineer. Anywhere, no matter how. If I'm 45 years, I still will be a spacecraft engineer. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I have determined that I'll travel to 150 countries. I'm 45, I'm 50. 
I've only traveled to two countries. I still, I still, the, so what, how I'll do it? Whether it's to, I'll do it. Whether I have to break all the biblical rules, I, I don't mind. I don't want to please the Lord. I, it's not about any kingdom. I'll do it. There are purposes and plans that people make. They sat down, they've, they've programmed themselves. When I'm 25, I'll marry. And I'll marry a millionaire from Monaco. Hallelujah. Monaco. Rich. I'll, I'll buy myself a yacht. And I'll cruise. One gospel musician many years ago when we were on the campus came to have a show. I'm saying this is a fact. And she and her manager, they were actually kind of caught in. They were in love somehow. Then I remember asking her, what's next? What are your plans? They said, oh, we are, go- we are planning a wedding. And the wedding, we're going to charter a flight from Lagos or Nigeria to the Caribbean. And we take all our family and all of the other loved ones to one of the islands in the Caribbean. When we finish, we go on a cruise and we'll come back with a charter flight. I say, purpose. By the time I could say Jacko, she had given birth to our five kids and life had moved. She had... <laughs> the next time I met her in America in the church, she was a mother of five or six. I say, hey, what happened to your Caribbean cruise? But people have such dreams and they are, they are willing to compromise. I have a friend who likes, when she, 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 she has had to, um, I mean, go through battles in marriages. But most of the battles in the marriage, she likes to marry Muslims. But she said, so she's speaking to also. Hey! Purpose. Somebody can say, I want to marry a millionaire. I want to marry a, a somebody of a certain status. Um, the way my family things are not well, I said, me where is he came? Hallelujah. That can be a purpose. When we were young people, people used to, among our neighbors and our friends, people used to say that, so, we have in a American, oh, Georgia, you know it. That's what we used to say. You are, he was my counterpart in Laboni. So you have in a American, oh, America. gold, gold, Yankee or suicide. So people purpose, and they will steal one guy. I've told you about some of the people. You will steal every secondary school in Ghana. He had their head, the headmaster. Top schools. All the top schools. He had their headmaster's signature. He had their rubber stamp. He had their letterhead. Making consult. In those days, the system wasn't so tight as it is. You can make your own transcripts and just send, and the schools will give you scholarship. They even used to pay people to go and write, uh, uh, what do you call it, GMAT and those things. Easy. You just pay, don't, no ID, you just walk to Waek. Ghana was very trustworthy. This guy will pay, GRE, whatever. They'll just, just go and say, they'll hire some of these commercial guys, very sharp guys. They pay them, they go and write uh, uh, SAT. Score 99%, get a scholarship, go to some Ivy League school. Some will struggle. But these guys were used to that. They were determined to use fair or foul means to fulfill their purpose. And sometimes if you are a Christian, born again, you can easily be corrupted. Hallelujah. Because of purpose. Purpose to marry a man. Purpose to marry a woman. Purpose to live somewhere. Purpose to have a business. Purpose to do something. And many times, you see, nobody's in your mind, in my mind. You calculate and say, by this time I must do this, by that time I must do that, and this and that. You, you, you sit down and you, when, so when God seemed to be shifting the thing to his arena for you to fight the enemy and to overcome, you don't understand. That's why some of the battles we are having, because we are out of, we, 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 we love ourselves, not as in physical self, as in purpose. 
You love your life as simple. That people, I will give up my time. I will give up my money. But my, that this dream now I have there. In fact, even I had a vision. And every vision I have, it comes to pass. So this one, it will have to come to pass. There are people like that. Every dream I have, I, when, when, I, I, when it's around Easter time and I dream, all the dreams I've had around Easter, it comes to pass. So around Easter, me, I don't joke with my dreams. So I've been writing it down. And my grandmother knows. My mother even knows. People, you hear people say such things. When they, they, normally it doesn't happen. But when it happens like that, you know that the things are going to happen. So I'm not going to leave this thing. This is the man I saw. This is the person I saw in the dream. And I know that he, he's the one for me. I have friends like that. Who somehow they miss the timing of their visitation because of these kinds of purpose. And they, they lost the battle against the enemy. The battle of accusation. Because you see, the primary weapon of the enemy, as we read at the beginning, is accusation. When the things fail and everything doesn't go well, then the enemy comes, aha! Aha! And you are lost. You have no response. Because you are out of the will of God. Before we pray, what does it take to lay down my life? How can I count my life as nothing? When the scripture says they love not their lives unto death. Because it's, it's one thing knowing that I have to let loose. But how do you do it? I take it from my own experience in the word of God. Number one, you must have a revelation of life. The higher value of life. You, you must catch a certain revelation. So Paul had that revelation. Second Corinthians 14. 4 verse 16 and 17 when he said that the things that I'm going through now they cannot be compared to the, play, the, the, the honor and the glory that I'm about to experience these afflictions these problems I'm having whatever I'm going through is insignificant when I compare it see that it has, it has to be a revelation you need to be able, if it's about a choice something that needs to be, to, to be if it's about money the, the sacrifice of Offering uh, 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 of money or position or something. You need to see that whatever you seem to be losing is actually a gain when you count it into the future, into eternity. Hallelujah. When you, your eye can see beyond today. Today, problem, many of us, the problem is that we don't pray to see beyond now. We see just around. Our for, spiritual sight is too short. That's why many times we are not able to, to, to discern and make the right choices that gives us the victory over the enemy. But tonight, gain the victory in Jesus' name. The victory over the enemy doesn't come the moment you clap your hands and stamp your feet. It comes from the revelation you have about him already. It starts there. It's the mind. That's why the scripture says that casting down imaginations and anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So the knowledge you have about God and about the level of, the, of Satan or the powers of darkness is the beginning of your victory. If you don't catch a revelation on how Satan's lower places or how less important that thing you are prioritized is compared to God's plan for you, you have already lost the battle. Many of us are living a defeated life because somehow at the back of our mind, the, back, the, 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 the mind is weak. The imagination is weak. I pray that God give me a revelation of the plans that you have for That my faith will not lean on my today. I'm, you may see me this way. You may see uh, my, my, my spiritual environment this way. My church this way. Or my ministry this way. But I see far. You need to be able to see far. And how God puts you. Where he places you. When you catch that revelation. It will be the beginning of your victory. When the scripture says. And they love not their lives, uh, on the, the, uh, lives unto death. You'll be willing to pay any price to get there because you know that is the ultimate. 
Why? What does it take to lay down my life? Faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 talks about this. I put my hope in Christ. The life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. That revelation is very important. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not, it's not physical crucifixion, but identity. The life that I live, and the life which I now, I live in the flesh. I live by faith. It means that I look at the example of Jesus. I see how Jesus was able to, that if God did not disappoint Jesus, he would not disappoint me. I'm inspired by the things Jesus said and did. I'm motivated. I'm, I am pushed. So if I'm about to do anything and I don't see Jesus setting the example, I'll rather hold until I see Jesus' example, until I see Jesus' mark. That's why the scripture says, I press on towards the mark of the high court. There's a standard that Jesus has set. So I'm, I'm not driven by just my desire. Even though the scripture says, whatsoever you desire, if you ask, that desire must be matched with the desire of Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith and hope in Jesus Christ. I pray that Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. As we hear testimonies, as we see things, God stirs up our faith. Another thing that can stir up and make you willing to forfeit your life and not to put too much pleasure, uh, value on all the things, the status, prosperity, the, the, the power you may have, the purpose and plans, is the faith in the resurrection. Faith in the resurrection. You see, why, when people become, we become overly earthly, it, it, it undermines our heavenly value. It's true that we must also not be so heavenly minded to be of no earthly value. That's true. But it is important that any day you rise up, you know that you are in transit. Hallelujah. So that's why Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life alone we have hope, then we are of all men the most to be pitied. It's miserable, it is sad, it is downgrading to think of life only on earth. Hallelujah. If you see beyond today, it will make you be willing to sacrifice. You see, what is my account? So when you go to the bank and you see your bank account has increased by a thousand Ghana, then you ask yourself, what is my heavenly account also like? In terms of maybe your souls, in terms of ministry, in terms of commitment, in terms of the love of God, that sort of thing. So the mind and the heart is now balancing the earthly balance with the spiritual heavenly balance. Amen. But if everything is all what I can physically see, it becomes very difficult to see, to be willing to pay the price. You see, when you see that somebody asked me a question a few days ago. So when you retire, what will you do? He said, she said me thinking. When you retire, when you are old and you are not pre- uh, ministering actively so much, what will you, how will you keep going? He said me thinking. The same way somebody ought to ask himself that when I retire out of this natural life, what, how will your uh, returns, social security benefits come? So you begin to think about where things you do for the Lord whilst you are alive. And when you begin to do, look, then you become, that's what makes you selfless. That's what makes you go to uh, Matthew 25. When you say, ah, as I help the poor, as I sacrifice my money, as I sacrifice my time, as I give to prayer, as I give to fellowship, then God is also investing for me in, my, in his eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. But if I only say, oh, it's, time is short, I'm 45, I'm 30, I must move on quickly. As we are thinking about that, we also have to think about eternity. Amen. May God stir up our faith in eternity. We must also have faith when we see the saints. If you want to stir up, if you want to lay up down your life, hear stories and see people who are laying up. You see, when the apostles were, were having confusion in Acts 15, verse 26, 27, they said, look at 
Peter, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Let's listen to them. Men who have hazarded their lives for Christ. So, among the saints, you by all means see a sister or a brother who is hazarding himself, his life. Somebody who has forfeited his career. Somebody who has forfeited. Then you say, ah, and you say, oh, when you hear somebody's testimony, then you say, ah, then I haven't done so much. Then you, you'll be charged up to give more to the Lord. But if you only hang out with people who are always grumbling, complaining about what God is doing, what God is not doing, you will not go far. You will not be willing to give your life. If you're always in a gang of people who, who think that God owes them everything, church owes them everything, friends owe them everything, family owes them everything, they don't owe God anything. They love, they love their lives. They, don't, they are not willing to, to not love their lives unto death. But everything is, is, is pepepe. As we used, when we were children, we had a game called Chimpe No Chimpe. You know Chimpe, those of us, that game. If you are, your siblings are there, when you get your food or your bread, and say, Chimpe, that means you have to share pepepe. Bread, 50-50. Meat, 50-50. Chocolate, 50-50. We, 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 our lives shouldn't be ruled that way. Hallelujah. Because we are people of faith. Amen. One of the things, above all, that we must trust God for, is to have a desire for the body of Christ. A desire. When you love the body of Christ, just as God so loved the world that he gave. Love is the key. Pray always, oh Lord, place a certain love. When there's love, when you, are, you become selfless, when you love your husband or your wife or your friend, your beloved, you don't know time. Before you open your eyes, four hours, you've been talking. What were you talking about? Nothing. Eh? Because there's love. If you love somebody and you are, the person is even asking for something difficult, you don't feel it when you are doing it. Or, you've been in love before. You know what I'm saying? Eh? You know what I'm saying? You say, you are not, you say, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's very, very real. If you've been in love, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never been in love, I'm not talking to the young girls over there, not the children, the ship of the people. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about real godly love. Amen. When you love somebody, you do things and you don't count the costs. Love is the key. God so loved the world that he gave. If we are going to give our lives, then we have to pray, Oh Lord, stir up your love in me. As we bow our heads in prayer, let that be your prayer. Because all this quarrel about time of church time of this, giving people not paying their tithe, people giving, not pledging, not all of this, not loving people loving themselves so much and not wanting to offer themselves sacrifice, not to wanting to visit not wanting to help people, not wanting to uh, support those that are in need if somebody is bereaved and supporting people's weddings, all of these it boils down to love it boils down to love, pray oh Lord stir up your love, see the scripture says Holy Ghost, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost Pray, oh Lord, stir up your love in me by the Holy Ghost. Shed your love in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Stir up your love in me again. Stir up, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. Stir up your love in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray for myself. I pray for my brethren. Stir up our love, oh Lord, for you and for your children. For your kingdom, oh Lord. As you loved us and gave your life for us. So ought we to love one another. So ought we to be willing to die one for the other. In this death, oh Lord, we gain victory. You gain victory over the enemy. You went to the place in hate through that death. And we also, as we show love, we go to that place and we also conquer. For they love not their lives unto death. Oh Lord, help me. Help my brethren. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Kalaba Shaka Barana, Randoko Seke Brende Ribra Kataya, Lema Katakata Niribrekuto Noribre Seka. In the name of Jesus, Kabarando Rubro Sheka Landalaba, 
Lord my God, touch me, touch my brethren. Oh Lord, to be willing, oh Lord, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, oh Lord. Prioritizing you and the things that matter to you above all else, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. Stretching on to the other saints, oh Lord. Even those that are sometimes difficult to love, we pray, oh God, for grace, oh Lord, to transcend denomination, ethnic barriers, oh Lord, to transcend social barriers, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray for the spirit of selflessness, oh Lord, upon your congregation. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you have heard us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay.